Overcoming challenges when things shift in your business can really throw things off. And today's guest has been through that multiple times. And we dive into how you can overcome that, how you can change your mindset around it, and some examples of exactly how he's been able to make some big shifts in his business, in his construction business, in his real estate business, and diversifying his portfolio. We're going to get into that and more in just a second. So let's get right to it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento. And today I'm very excited. I have in the studio Jerome Malinato, who is incredible. If you're not familiar with Jerome, we're definitely going to get into it. How are you doing today, Jerome? I'm doing well. Thank you, Stephen. Really appreciate you having me and excited to talk to everybody today. Well, I'm excited to get into it. We're going to cover a lot of really good things. If you guys don't know, Jerome is a very highly successful real estate investor and entrepreneur. You know, over a 20 year career, he's been able to build up a nine figure empire in construction, investing, and multiple other verticals. We're going to dive a lot into how he came up. We're going to talk about construction. We're going to talk about some big takeaways that you can improve your investing business just through some of these strategies that he's using on the construction side and how he's built his business. So if you're ready, Jerome, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So before we jump into the present and talk about all these strategies that have really made a huge difference for you and your clients, I want to talk about looking back. What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Um, there's a lot of them. You know, I think we all have so many events that shape us. Um, my mom was a big integral part of um, my mom and dad, but my mom really was like that push fire. You know, I was a dyslexic kid, struggled in school growing up all the way through into high school, even in college, I struggled. Um, and I had to work harder than everybody. And I hated the kids that, that ruined the curve because I'd study and study. And, you know, and I, uh, being dyslexic, I didn't know I was dyslexic till my senior year in college. I finally went and got tested. And, um, and then it all made sense, right? I should have I done it before the age of 22, um, but I didn't. And, um, and I struggled through school. And my mom was the push fire that, kept, that would just keep pushing me. And I was lucky enough to grow up around a lot of uh, boy cousins. And um, we grew up in an atmosphere that was very um, competitive, to say the least. And so I think that that growing up in that competitive nature really sculpted my push in life. Um, sports did. I, I wrestled my whole life. I also played, you know, baseball and football and some other stuff. But but wrestling was really that push. And um, the competitive nature I had with my cousins is really kind of what pushed that drive for me that made life simpler in reality to what we did growing up. And so I think that was a big push for me as a young as a young man. 
Yeah, it's huge. I mean, when you grow up and you're struggling with any kind of learning disability or, you know, you're slow with anything, I can totally relate. I was exactly the same way. Fortunately, you end up learning strategies to be able to overcome that. But it's so true that when you can get physical, when you can go and do something that you're really good at, you can end up, you know, getting that drive. And it's clear that through wrestling, I also was a wrestler when I was pre-high school um, back in the day. So I can definitely relate there. But if we kind of look forward to the businesses that you've built, I want to kind of talk, obviously today, you're at a point where you're syndicating, you're doing construction, you're building and partnering with syndicators and doing some really amazing things with some of your clients. But talk to me about how you got here. I know you've really built up this experience over a long career, and I want to dive into that. Sure. So so business wasn't easy in the beginning, um, Stephen. I mean, I, I was like any wishful kid, right? I was in college. Um, business got introduced to me through the means of network marketing. I struggled. I was horrible at it. I mean, hands down, I, I just, I was not good at it. It took me about three years of personal growth really is what it was, was my mindset on a lot of stuff. And um, it's just the way we're raised. Um, almost all of us, um, almost everybody watching this is raised the same way, just through our educational system. Our parents are stubborn and pushing us just to get a good education, go get a job. Um, and I was the black sheep, you know, I, I was, I was, I was bought hook, line, and sinker when I saw network marketing and the opportunities to be self-employed. Um, but I struggled and so much so that I, I, I didn't want to fail um, because I felt like because I, I opened, I ran my mouth as a young, as a young adult. And I just didn't want to be, I, I hated being um, wrong at anything that I was doing. And so I just kept pushing at it. And three years into my network marketing career, I finally figured it out and I started doing well in my young twenties, back in the, in the mid nineties, I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, very successful at that time. And, um, and I felt it, you know, but I, I did things wrong. Like most, most kids do. I spent on dumb things, bought a lot of nice cars and um, fancy houses on the lake and this, that, and the other traveling everywhere. And, um, and then things came to a halt. The FTC made some changes in 1997 and um, it hindered. Um, our business. And so I was kind of in limbo trying to figure things out, went back to college to try to fall back on something. And in that interim time, my brother-in-law introduced me to uh, construction because his boss went out of business and I went and got my license, um, not knowing I'd be in construction um, right now at this day and age. But what landed up happening was he didn't show up for his license. I did. I landed, I knew how to market through the means of network marketing. And I started just bidding jobs and I had this attitude that I really had nothing to lose in life. I, I felt like I'd already lost a lot, um, almost everything outside of my health. Um, and I really just had, I was on a forward path of going, okay, Jerome, you got to figure stuff out and you know, and you got everything in the world to gain. And I went at it with that attitude. And I just, I put my head down and I went to work. And my goal at that time, Stephen, was nothing more than I got to make $1,000 a day because that's what I was netting in network marketing, right? I was, if I worked a five day week and I, I made a thousand days, $20,000 a month. And that's kind of where my mindset was. And so when I got into construction, I didn't realize there was that, that much money in it. And I started bidding jobs and I was landing projects that I was underbidding people on and still uh, making a really affluent income. And um, I sat back and said, look, if I can scale this and I can put crews together and every crew, I can make a thousand dollars a day. And it was that stupid simple was, was how do I get, how do I monetize this to make a thousand dollars a day per crew? And I had one crew at the time. And, um, and so I started bidding projects like that. And that was my business model. Um, I would figure out all my materials, all my labor, all my expenses. And I'd add a thousand dollars to it for every day that we were on that project. And that's how I bid projects. And it worked. 
And, and so when I started figuring out the business, I started to scale it. And only a year into it, I was very, I was always very ambitious. I always wanted more in life. Um, and, and more so because I, I think I was, I think I had a chip on my shoulder. And in fact, I don't think, I, I know I had a chip on my shoulder. I felt like I had something to prove to everybody because I had struggled so much in my younger years that I felt like I had something to prove to myself that I had the ability to attain stuff that other people that I saw that I thought were better than me or more affluent than me um, that they achieved. And I felt like, okay, why can't I do that? And so I felt like I had this chip on my shoulder and um, I, I did it so much so that, um, that I just wanted to prove to myself more than anybody, but then also everybody else that I was, I was able to do it one, but two that, um, Jerome was worthy of everything that everybody else that was doing well in life was also worthy of, right? So I kind of went after it in that direction and I drove myself and I was consistent and I worked hard. And within a couple of years into uh, building and, and working in the construction trade, I started investing. Um, I didn't want to lose the, uh, the money ever again that I had made and the business that I had built. If every, anything, something happened, I wanted to be in a position where I owned something. And, um, and the only thing that I knew of at that time that I could buy that, that, that seemed to fit that mold was a piece of real estate, a house, a single family home, a rental home. I figured if I could buy a house um, and I could rent it, I had an asset. And with that asset, I felt like I had protection in my long-term um, life as far as retirement and so forth. So it wasn't really that I was going after it as a, hey, I'm gonna be a real estate person. I, would, I use real estate more as a means to protect my assets and my long-term holdings financially more than anything. It's such a big thing, too, to have that view of it, that assets were a tool for you to be able to keep making money to protect what you had just created in that construction business. But I want to kind of like take two steps back to earlier when you had this big challenge with the FTC. You're, you've built this business. You're going along. You're marketing. You've built something that's legitimate. You've got people, independent contractors, essentially working for you on your behalf. And then all of a sudden, a shift happens, a regulatory shift. It's something that can happen in every single business. People who operate in Airbnb and different markets have gone through this. People who are syndicating are going to be going through this. This is happening all the time. And so when that happened, what was going through your mind when all of a sudden you found out that the means to making the income that you'd created disappeared? You know, I, we were kind of semi-aware that we were out of compliance because the FTC had come to the company. Um, and so there was a founder of the company. I was a subcontractor. I was a 1099 independent contractor for a direct sales company. And we, as I was, I, I was in the top 30 money earners of the company. So we, the upper money earners of the company sat down with the founder and we said, look, you know, can we form a board of directors? We need to make changes. And he was stubborn. Um, there was a lot of ego involved and it was, it was outside of our control. And so those changes were never made. Um, we were suspended um, for the, from the company by the founder because we were trying to make these changes. And um, lo and behold, the, the FTC came in and um, we went from making, you know, solid, solid, strong six figures to zero overnight and it's temperature taking. Um, you know, when those regulatory things are made, it's important for companies to pay attention to them. I've had, uh, I have, I've had friends that have lost their companies to the uh, CFPB back in 2009, 10, when things were, were implemented after the uh, financial crisis. And when it happens, it happens like the wall, the rug is just pulled right out from underneath your feet. And, um, and it's, it's a, a mentally challenging place to be um, for any anybody um, as an entrepreneur, as, a, as, as an employee, for anybody. 
And so, yeah, we felt lost and confused at that point in time. And it happened quick, fast and dirty. And, um, and so we had to figure things out. We had to figure things out quick. Yeah. And you got to shift. You've got to pivot. You've got to make that motion happen. And obviously you could see the writing on the wall and many people do, but these kind of regulatory shifts happen in every single industry. And so, you know, when people are coming up in the real estate game, you hear a lot about fear of doing something the wrong way or making a mistake along the way. Should people have that kind of fear? How can they overcome when they hear a story like yours that the spigot just turned off? How can they overcome that and not let that hold them back from taking action and doing what you've done? Well, I I come from a a philosophy that, you know, God never gave us a problem. He also didn't give us the ability to overcome. And and I'll tell you, there's always a solution. You know, I got in a really bad car accident as a kid in my senior year in high school. And I remember I, you know, three of my best friends were my cousin and two of my best friends and um, no one lost their lives, but they were injured very bad at, at the time. And my mom sat back with me and she goes, Jerome, she goes, you can sit here and you can sulk if you want. You can take all the negativity that the kids were beating me up at at school because, um, you know, I fell asleep behind the wheel, wrecked the car. You know, we were all very talented athletes. And um, I ruined the career of a couple, you know, of a couple of them because of the car accident. Right. So I, I, I held that on my shoulders. And uh, my mom said, you know, you can sulk in your in your wounds if you want. But she goes, God gives you two options in life. You can either look at the good or you can look at the bad. But whatever you decide, it's it's not entirely up to you. You can pick the good and find the good because there's good out of every single scenario that happens and everything in life happens for a reason. Or you can focus and dwell on the bad. It's up to you. But whatever you choose, you know, that's your choice. And, and so basically my mom telling me, Jerome, get off your ass and go back and figure things out. You know, there, there's, there's good that it's going to come out of this. And, and there was, and everybody's healthy. Everybody's successful. Everybody's done well. Um, we had to make changes in our life, but I, I went, I go through life with that same philosophy and everything that happened. So when that happened is as bad as it seemed at the time, I knew that there was something there was, there was a reason that it happened. And there was a reason that that change happened. Um, whether it was me going back home and meeting my wife and having my kids and stuff, um, that was probably a big reason for it because I wouldn't have the kids that I have today. and wouldn't have the wife that I have today. If, um, if that company went to shut down, cause I would have never moved back home to go back and finish up my college education. I would have never uh, met my wife. Right. So maybe that was the reason. I mean, that's a big part of my life. So that was a very, that's a very important part of my life. So as much as you sit back and you can focus on the bad, there's good in everything. And there's a reason God, God shifts you in that direction for a reason, whatever that reason is. Sometimes we don't know, you can't see it, but it's there. And there's something there. There's good out of everything. I agree 100%. It seems like some of the hardest experiences of my life, some of the the most difficult, the things that sometimes you look back and you wish would have never happened. I've at least come to the place of appreciating and being grateful because had those opportunities not presented themselves in my life, I would have never been able to become the person that I am. And it sounds like you have the exact same mindset about those challenges, which is, it's so huge. And I hope the listeners will take a moment to reflect within their life, even if they're going through a challenge, to remember that on the other side, you're going to be a much stronger person. So it's time to step up and step through. Yeah, always, always. There's always a reason and you got you to find the good and you just keep driving forward. So fast forward, you have built a career, you are working in the investing space, you've built this construction firm, you're making millions of dollars working with big clients. Talk to us about what you're focused on today and really what that looks like on the investing side. So we all, we've always had our hands in a lot of different stuff over the years. I've been 
Um, I've probably been over ambitious in so many ways. Um, when I tell my story, it doesn't even seem real sometimes because we always have so many, our hands in so many pots at the same time. And um, so when you tell a story, most people go after one career, right, Stephen? It's like, I'm an accountant or I'm an attorney and that's what they do. So when you tell a story as a business person or an entrepreneur and you tell it in terms of a time, a, a chronological timeline, um, you got to understand that there's a lot going on and multiple, multiple things going on all at the same time. And so um, I was wearing a lot of different hats, um, building my career um, where I was running my construction company. We were developing. I owned restaurants at, at, at the same times. We had developments going on. We had clients that we were doing for residential clients, commercial clients. Um, so we had a, we've always had a lot going on. Uh, my wife, I opened up a dance school for her. Um, when the recession hit, we opened up beauty salons, bought a bunch of subway stores to afford our, our real estate. And so today, all of that has kind of filtered into what we have, are doing now. And so I got to a point in my life where I sat back a few years ago. We were supposed to be kind of semi-retired when my son was born in 2008. And I said, okay, I told my wife, I was in my mid-30s. I said, look, we got kids. Let's pull our foot off the pedal a little bit. Things are self-sufficient. And, um, and let's enjoy raising our kids. And I'll work part-time. And God had a different plan for us. Um, the recession hit. Uh, my son was born in January. By November, um, things had went a little south for us, and we didn't lose anything. Thank God. We um, we pivoted. We adjusted, and um, and I put my head down and went back to work. Had to get back to the grindstone. Haven't really picked up my head since then, Stephen. Um, you know, I, I I always remember what comes first, and uh, that's my faith and, and my family. Um, but work's really important. It sits right up there in number in spot number three, solid and strong for sure. And um, and I sit back and I. Um, I look at what we, where we pivoted from 2010 to now and um, where we were focusing a lot on retail and construction. I've wanted out of the construction industry since the day I got in because it's a high stress industry and it's a lot of work, but it's been a lot of cash flow and it's been um, a huge, huge asset to everything that we've built. Without, without the stress of the construction company, I could not have built what I've built to this day without it. So I think there's a lot of people a lot of listeners that are always trying to get out of their job. I know that for me, I run into a lot of people that aspire to be entrepreneurs or aspire to um, have a full-time business to be able to get out of their nine to five. And, and I used to look at it different when I was younger. And I look at it now and I say, you know, there's a sacrifice when you, when you don't come from money, which the mass majority of people don't, there's a sacrifice, right? That you got to pay. And my sacrifice has been, I've had to put in the time to my companies. And yes, I, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have companies that do millions of dollars a year in business. And we're able to take that home and, and put that in our bank accounts each year and invest it into growing. And we've been able to do that. Um, but for a lot of people, they don't think in that fashion. They're trying to always find an exit out of it. And I was too, I'm guilty as charged. Um, but that's been a huge asset for us. And even to this day, um, it's allowed us to set up all our partnerships and what we're doing. Now, at this point in our career, we are starting to work on exiting out of that. Um, but it's been a 25 plus year, you know, over 25 years of, of hard grindstone work to get there, right? And um, what we did is we took and deployed money into different asset classes of real estate. And um, we have developments and partners now. I never did partnerships back in the day. Three or four years ago, I sat back and told my wife, look, we're going to work forever unless we partner with the right people and we trust people. I can't be the, the sole owner of everything anymore or we're going to always be married to this business. 
Um, so Stephen, one of the big pivots that we made four years ago was the commitment to partner with, uh, with good people. And so one of my partners is Ty Lopez um, and Dr. Alex Mir. Um, you know, I, I am a minority owner of Pier One Imports, um, Radio Shack. We bought them out of bankruptcy, Model Sporting Goods, Linen and Things, the Franklin Mint, um, all of Dress Barn, all of those. And uh, we partnered um, with a company called uh, uh, Retail E-Commerce e Ventures. And I actually run a company called ESR, E-Commerce Supporting Real Estate. And so I run all of the real estate end of that. And that's just one of many businesses that I run and, and facilitate still. Um, but it's a partnership with Ty Lopez. And, um, and we have holdings in Puerto Rico um, where we're building big, massive luxury estates out there right now. It's a little niche market that we're hitting. And uh, we own a lot of real estate in the industrial warehouse space. Um, to, and the, the means behind that is to support the growth of e-commerce, right? The need for that, for that warehouse space for distribution. Um, so we're doing that. And then I have my own companies and developments. I partnered with a gentleman named Kyle Mitchell. Um, he's a syndicator, um, does multifamily um, syndication. Um, I own multifamily apartment complexes that I didn't syndicate. I just, I own them, I bought them um, and they're, they're in our holding portfolios. But I sat back and said, okay, I need a, I need a partner with somebody that I trust that's good. And um, Kyle was somebody that fit that mold. We built a relationship over the course of a few years. I watched what he did, I respected it. And so now we're partnered in being able to go out and buy distressed hotel brands and rezone them, reposition them and turn them into multifamily. And so we're syndicating on those ones as well. And then we have developments going on in other states like Washington state, I got another business partner named Ramez. And uh, Ramez was a successful builder doing one single home a year and we scaled it. We're doing a 24 unit development in a really dense community. We're building out dense developments. And um, then we have all our other stuff that we still do here in New Mexico and in Arizona. So in a nutshell, that's everything that we have going on and that's what we've scaled to to this day. And so pretty exciting stuff. It's such a good reminder about building a real diversified portfolio, because over the years, you've obviously had all this experience. You've been in construction, you've been in sales, you've been in marketing, you've gone down this path of being able to build this set of skills. And now you're coming forward and recognizing the power of partnership. I've always been a big believer of partnering with experts, going out and finding people who are the best at what they do and letting them do that part of the partnership. You know, I've got a set of skills. You've got a set of skills. He and she has a set of skills. So I think that is such a beautiful development in your mindset about how you can actually go and do much more effectively by being able to bring in partners for every single piece of that process. So I think that is a huge takeaway. I hope uh, listeners will recognize that you don't need to go and do everything. And that sometimes when you're in your career, that's exactly where you need to be. I talk to folks on a regular basis who are looking to get out of their careers or they can get into real estate or they're trying to figure out like some other path that they want to go down. But many of them are really good at what they do and they're high income earners. And oftentimes I say, well, how can you actually find a way to fall even more in love with what it is that you do every day? So you can take those checks, you can invest in real estate and you can really start building multiple streams of income, which is something you've clearly been able to do. So Obviously, we've been able to dive in deep on a lot of things here today, but before we go, 
I really want to get some of these best practices when it comes to the construction side of the business. You're somebody who's been able to build a business operating at a high level, uh, you know, with high level clients and the processes and systems are the key to success when it comes to construction. And so talk to us a little bit about how up and coming or emerging syndicators or others who've been in the business for a long time, what are some of those strategies or tactics that can end up really making a big difference in their business? For syndicators, and it's this is important, really, really important. And this is where my partnership comes in strong with a lot of my partners. And when you're doing partners, ladies and gentlemen, understand that it's real important to not partner with starving people, um, even if you're starving in the beginning. Um, my partners are people that are driven by the game, um, not by the money. Um, and most of them have done well. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in a little bit different position. Um, partnerships can be very challenging, but I'll tell you guys that where my partnership comes in strong is through the processes that we use for the development and redevelopment of real estate. Um, I, because of our construction company, I learned processes um, because of the way we did things early years, because I was broke in early years. I needed to systemize how I did things very well to be able to maximize my profits. I didn't have room for loss. I wasn't gonna put up with having lost labor, lost materials, um, lost time. Um, every day was important to me because I wanted to maximize my income. So I put systems together that supported that as I built my construction company. And it's the way we manage things, the diligence in the way we manage things that truly makes our, our construction company so successful, but it's also what makes our real estate so successful. And so when I partner with people, I always tell them, look, I wanna facilitate the project management on the deals. Like when we're renovating a value add property, um, when anytime there's been like fix and flips or when we're um, going in and we're gonna just stabilize an asset and hold it, I want to shave off as much time off of that as humanly possible because you know any any month that goes by that's an extra mortgage payment or an extra payment to my investors and so that takes profits and my wife and I call it trash can money because anytime that we're in excess of our budgeted time frame, we're throwing money in the trash can and so are you guys. And so understanding that having project management systems set in place are one of the most single um, integral pieces of becoming successful to the highest levels you can in any syndication, any real estate deal. And so really being able to sit down have a business plan set in place because every every project is a business plan, Stephen, every single one. You have to have a different business plan because every project is slightly different. And you have to set a business plan together where you say, okay, this is my goal. This is what we're going to do. This is what I need at my end result. And I reverse engineer everything number wise to fit that goal before I even get started. I know what my end goal is supposed to be and my end number profit wise before I get started because I reverse engineer those numbers and have a business plan. Then I convey that business plan to my to everybody that's involved in that project from the realtors, the architects, the engineers, the subcontractors, the general contractors, everybody. And the way we do that is to pre pre uh, um, development meetings where we, we make a mandatory if they don't show up, they're not they're not involved in our projects. They have to show up and then we do weekly meetings. We have accountability stuff. We use software to manage stuff. We get boots on the ground. We make sure that we have eyeballs on the ground. Um, a lot of people, they put it in the hands of the contractor and they disappear. And then they come back and they're highly disappointed, frustrated, or they just pick up the pieces and figure it out, I guess. I, I don't know how they do it. I, I don't, I don't want to ever subject myself to that. Um, but it's the business plan, 
the project management and the diligence that make our project so successful and uh, the reverse engineering of the numbers so that we know where we're supposed to be when we end and how where we need to start and that way if we skew up or down at any part in that project we can fix it before it gets out of control because ultimately we know where we need to be right and so it's it's that progress of getting from point A to point Z that really makes our, our company so successful. And that's what I think people need to do more of is, um, is the reverse engineering of their project so they know exactly where they're going and have a business plan set up in place and convey that and communicate that and manage that business plan from the start of the project to the end of the project. And their profitability will go up substantially. Yeah, it's huge. So what I'm really hearing here is that a lot of syndicators that I see, they don't really understand construction. They think that by hiring a third party construction firm and handing them over and letting them create the plan, that that's going to end up getting them to where they need to be. But it sounds like what you're saying and what some of the best syndicators and operators out there do is they actually put that plan together and they're going to manage that plan for the contractors executing on their behalf. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I'm a driving force of that. I'm a little bit of a workhorse in that regards where um, I am, I'm, a, I'm a systems guy. I, I never thought I would be, Stephen. I, I'm not an analytical person by nature at all. Um, I've become analytical because of uh, the nature It's the nature of the beast and what I do. It, it's made what I've done great. Um, I'm more of an aggressive dr- um, force driver. I'm more of a workhorse but I've become very, very analytical over the years. Um, and so it's been great because it's been a great piece for our business. And I'll tell you that we put together an educational platform teaching project management because of the lack of it. And it's even one of those things where it's benefiting even some of my partnerships and um, it's benefiting um, a lot of other people where we're getting them to levels where they can come in and actually invest with us because they're implementing some of the um, the skills that we've been teaching from the construction trade into the real estate um, trade. And they're marrying the two and it's it's creating a better, more professional industry all across the board um, because the more people that we can get doing that, it's going to uh, create a status quo. If we can create a status quo, the professionalism rises in the industry, which means everybody makes more money, which is a win-win situation, which is in my book is badass. I think it's just great. I absolutely agree. I couldn't agree more. This has been so fun. I definitely look forward to, we'll have to do a round two because I feel like we could probably go for another couple hours here. I know we've just scratched the surface, so we'll definitely have you back. But in the meantime, where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Steven, I'm easy to find. Um, my name's on the bottom of the Zoom link here. It's Jerome Maldonado. Um, I'm all over Instagram, Facebook, link, LinkedIn, um, YouTube. Follow us on YouTube. For, if you like content like this, follow us and pound the subscribe button. Um, and on Instagram, it's Jerome Maldonado and the number one. If you get my name, you can go to our website. Um, it's just uh, JeromeMaldonado.com um, for more information about our platforms, our learning and, and educational stuff and all the projects that we have going on. They're always changing. There's always new stuff on the horizons and um, we're always looking for good people to work with. I love that. Well, we'll definitely include all that information in the show notes. It was such a pleasure having you on. I really look forward to round two, three and four, many more. And until next time, thanks for coming on. Steven, thank you. Really appreciate you and really appreciate your platform putting this together. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you to all your listeners out there as well. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.